stopped off at plain. Her hair was certainly plain, thin and dark brown, pulled back in a bun or a twist. This hairstyle made her look older than she was, as well as a little schoolmarmish, and her dark, small eyes held an expression of constant surprise. While the other women tended to sigh a great deal or make trips back and forth to the soda machine, complaining of backaches and swollen feet, warning each other against slipping off shoes because you'd never in a hundred years get them back on, Isabel Goodrow kept fairly still. Isabel Goodrow simply sat at her desk with her knees together, her shoulders back, and typed away at a steady pace. Her neck was a little peculiar. For a short woman, it seemed excessively long, and it rose up from her collar like the neck of the swan seen that summer on the dead-looking river, floating perfectly still by the foamy-edged banks. Or, at any rate, Isabel's neck appeared this way to her daughter, Amy, a girl of sixteen that summer who had taken a recent dislike to the side of her mother's neck, to the side of her mother, period, and who, anyway, had never cared one bit for the swan. In a number of ways, Amy did not resemble her mother. If her mother's hair was dull and thin, Amy's hair was a thick, streaky blonde. Even cut short the way it was now, haphazardly below her ears, it was noticeably healthy and strong and Amy was tall. Her hands were large, her feet were long. But her eyes, bigger than her mother's, often held the same expression of tentative surprise, and the startled look could produce some uneasiness in the person on whom her eyes were fixed. Although Amy was shy and seldom fixed her eyes on anyone for long, she was more apt to glance at people quickly before turning her head. In any event, she didn't know really what kind of impression, if any, she made even though she had privately in the past studied herself a great deal in any available mirror. But that summer, Amy wasn't looking into any mirrors. She was avoiding them, in fact. She would have liked to avoid her mother as well, but that was impossible. They were working in the office room together. This summer arrangement had been arrived at months before by her mother and Avery Clark, and while Amy was told to be grateful for the job, she was not. The job was very dull. She was required to add on an adding machine the last column of numbers of each orange invoice that lay on a stack on her desk, and the only good thing was that sometimes it seemed like her mind went to sleep. The real problem, of course, was that she and her mother were together all day. To Amy, it seemed as though a black line connected them, nothing bigger than something drawn with a pencil, perhaps, but a line that was always there. Even if one of them left the room, went to the ladies' room or to the water fountain out in the hall, let's say, it didn't matter to the black line. It simply cut through the wall and connected them still. They did the best they could. At least their desks were far apart and didn't face each other. Amy sat in a far corner at a desk that faced Fat Bev. This was where Dottie Brown usually sat, but Dottie Brown was home getting over a hysterectomy that summer. Every morning, Amy watched as Fat Bev measured out psyllium fiber and shook it vigorously into a pint-sized carton of orange juice. Lucky you, Fat Bev said. Young and healthy and all the rest. I bet you never think about your bowels. Amy, embarrassed, would turn her head. Fat Bev always lit a cigarette as soon as her orange juice was done. Years later, a law would be passed preventing her from doing this in the workplace, at which point she would gain another ten pounds and retire. But right now, she was still free to suck in hard and exhale slowly, until she stubbed the cigarette out in the glass ashtray and said to Amy, that did the trick. Got the engine started. She gave Amy a wink as she heaved herself up and hauled her large self off to the bathroom. It was interesting, really. 
Amy had not known that cigarettes could make you go to the bathroom. This was not the case when she and Stacy Burroughs smoked them in the woods behind the school. And she didn't know that a grown-up woman would talk about her bowels so comfortably. This, in particular, made Amy realize how differently from other people she and her mother lived. Fat Bev came back from the bathroom, sighing as she sat down, plucking pieces of tiny lint from the front of her huge sleeveless blouse. So, she said, reaching for the telephone, a half moon of dampness showing on the pale blue cloth beneath her armpit. Guess I'll give old Dottie a call. Fat Bev called Dottie Brown every morning. She dialed the telephone now with the end of a pencil and cradled the receiver between her shoulder and neck. Still bleeding? she asked, tapping her pink nails against the desk, pink discs almost embedded in flesh. They were watermelon pink. She had shown Amy the bottle of polish. Setting a record or something? Never mind, don't hurry back. No one misses you a bit.